Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and God's courts with praise. Give thanks to God. Bless God's holy name. For God is good. God's love endures forever. Amen. Amen. And now please stand and join with us in our opening hymn. but not our young people, because it is time for the message for all ages. So young and young at heart, please join me up here on the mat. How is everyone today? Oh, we have friends coming from everywhere. Look at this, wow, there's Carlo, hi. Come on in, Leslie. There's Skylar and Levi and Zane, so many friends. As you're making your way on the mat this morning, thank you, Levi. Who can tell me what this is right here? Let a ball, a ball. Who can tell me something about, so many friends, this is great, about the shape of this? What kind of shape is this? A circle. Does a circle have a beginning or an end? No. 
No, not like a pencil. Thank you, we're gonna answer all together today. Not like a pencil that has a clear beginning, hi, and a clear end. A ball has no beginning and no end. It just goes around and around and around, right? Now, what are some things we like to do with balls? We like to roll them, we like to, hey Sarah, catch them. We also like to throw them. What were you gonna say, Carlo? We can bounce them. What if I told you today that I want you to think about God's love like a ball? God's love is never, has no beginning and no end. God's love goes around and around and around. It's always here. And you know what's more fun about love? If we share it with somebody, right? Isn't that fun? A, bo whoop, a ball is only so fun if we keep it to ourselves. If we share it with somebody else, it's a lot more fun. And that's like God's love too. In fact, in the Bible, it tells us that one way we can love is to love our neighbor. And our neighbor is not just somebody who's sitting beside us, even though that was beautiful. Our neighbor is not just someone who lives in our apartment complex or who we sit beside at school or who even comes here to worship at Middle Church. In fact, our neighbors are everyone. People who don't look like us necessarily, people who don't worship the same God as us, people who are far from us. Hey, Lila. Whoa. See, that was harder, right? That was harder for me. But that doesn't mean you can keep it. But that doesn't mean, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we're not gonna try, right? Even if something is farther from us, now you can look back up here. <laughs> Even if it's farther than, from us. Oh, perfect, we got it, we got it. <laughs> Even if it seems hard or scary, we're still supposed to try because that's what God's love requires of us, right? And I wanna tell you something else about God's love. It changes us. That was hard for me to throw all the way to Lila, but I learned something about myself. I learned how I had to throw farther, and Lila learned how she had to throw farther. So when we experience God's love and when we try to catch and receive God's love, we are changed. And I'm gonna tell you one more important thing about God's love, are you ready? If you ever see a situation where someone is not able to get love or where someone is not able to give love, I want you to ask why. I want you to talk to somebody in your life that you trust and I want you to say, why not? What is going on with that situation so that that person can't give and receive love? Can you do that for me? Yes. All right, let's stand up, grab a hand and say a prayer together. Repeat after me, can you do that? Dear God, thank you for first loving us. Thank you that your love has no beginning and no end. Remind us to catch and give your love. Amen. Now let's sing Siahamba and go back to our seats.
Good morning. As somebody said to me earlier, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good. I'm Jackie Lewis. And for uh, all of you who are visiting with us for the very first time, special welcome to you. Welcome home. To, you've been away. If you're visiting for the very first time, would you raise your hand? Yay. Okay. She was here last week. Where are you from? Trinidad. I want to go to Trinidad. Who else is visiting? Okay, please, please shout out where you're from. Where? Malaysia. Malaysia. Hi. Woo. Good. Awesome. Welcome. Welcome. Anybody else? Hey. Come. Well, hi, Amanda's mom. <laughs> Hello. And yes. From. Monaco, Monaco, I want to go there too. Congratulations, thank you for coming. Is there anybody else? Yes, ma'am, where are you from? From France, bienvenue, we're glad you're here, thank you. Let's wave to all the people that are online who are from everywhere, drinking their hot chocolate in the warmth of their houses. We're so glad you're here, blessings to you. Thanks for coming. Friends, it's Sunday. Um, it is November 18th. Many of you are going to be traveling this week to go home to see people for Thanksgiving. So I'd like you to be very, very careful. Um, notice on the screen that lets you know things that you can do to plug into the community. My spiritual journey with pop music this afternoon at 1.30 with Tom. Where are you at, Tom? Tom Smucker. Woo! So be sure to see that. Our children are on their way back on an airplane from a beautiful tour in the south. And we're excited that they've got a chance to go to New Orleans and also to Montgomery, to the Civil Rights Museum there. Can't wait to hear their stories. I want to remind you that on December 2nd, which is two weeks from now, we will be worshiping here 9.30, 11.45, worshipful concert, lots of music, dance, y'all. Um, hoping that you'll come and be with us and wear your Christmas best at 9.30 and 11.45. We'll worship, we'll edit that, it will air on CBS. On December 24th at 11.35 p.m. Woot! And yeah, so that's good. And we've asked you to RSVP, not because you have to make a reservation, but we want to plan. Uh, for seats and also for food. We're going to have a Christmas meal that day. So please do. We're excited to have you come do that. Everybody take a breath. I feel a little needing a breath right in here. Thank you so much for being with us today. Bertram is going to lead us in a time of prayer. And I just wanted to welcome you home. Welcome home, everybody. How about take another breath? Both here and if you're watching... Um, from the interwebs. And in that breath, let's focus on gratitude for a moment. Think about your life and the way that God has blessed you. Maybe your situation isn't as great as it was before. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's different than you imagined. But you're alive and you're breathing and you're here. And you're warm and you're safe. And let's just take a moment to, to be grateful to God for the many blessings that God has given us as we enter our time in prayer.
gracious and merciful God, we come to you this morning lifting our hearts and voices to you in praise and in thanksgiving for the many, many, many blessings you have showered down upon us. Thank you for the gift of our lives. None of us are without strain or struggle, but in all things, we know that we are yours, God. You walk with us through every valley. You shepherd us across every hill. And for that, we say thank you. For you are a God who is with us. On this week in which we pause to gather around tables of gratitude with those we love, help us also to be mindful of those who go without. Those who go without food, without shelter, without safety, without love. God, give us the courage to be your presence, to share your love, to speak and act in ways that make your grace, your care, and justice known by all. Creator God, we pray for the people of California who are so severely impacted by the devastating forest fires. We commend to you all who have lost homes and livelihoods and loved ones. We pray for those who are still missing and separated from those who care for them. Give our leaders, God, hearts of compassion and the will to fight climate change and to honor the earth that you have made for all of us to share. God, you are our protector, and we ask you to watch over our youth who've been in New Orleans and Alabama this week learning about the history and practices of racism. Keep them safe in their travel. Open their eyes to the sins that separate us and from each other. And bring them back to us inspired to teach us what it means to be a church that's committed to anti-racism. God, we're grateful for some of the political changes we've seen in the last week through the election. We pray for all the new members of the Congress and the Senate. God, we pray that the work that they endeavor to do is work of justice. That they seek to be agents of your healing and transformation in the world that seeks out so much that we need so much good, God. God, we pray that every child would be fed. We pray that every senior would have access to health care and medication. We pray that uh, every immigrant would be welcomed in, given asylum and safety here within our borders. God, teach us what it means to love our neighbors, that we can cast out love and receive it from people who are different from us, and in doing so, we are transformed. God, we pray for those who are struggling this week from the, the experience of being disenfranchised from elections and the way that white supremacy continues to shape our nation. God, give us hearts. Give us new hearts. Reshape our hearts by love and for love and through love and in love, God. Help us to be the people that you've called us and made each and every one of us to be so that your love and your light may be known here on earth. We pray these things, trusting in each and every one of your holy names. Amen. Now, friends, as one body, as one people united by love, let's stand and say together the prayer that Jesus taught us using the version that's in your bulletin or whatever is most familiar to you, saying, Ever-loving and holy God, holy is your name. Your reign come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we give those who sin against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved of God, be loved and know that you are. The peace of God be with each and every one of you. Let's share God's peace with those around us.
Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have given the right answer and you will live. Do this and you will live. This is the word of the Lord. Do this and you will live. Please say a prayer with me. God of all good gifts, how we thank you for this opportunity to hear a word from you and we ask um, as we listen that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Love transforms. This is a theme that the staff and I are working on this year, Love Transforms, and that's the name of my sermon today. I want to tell you that sometime after the Babylonians conquered the kingdom of Israel, in about 721 BCE, which means the Christian era before Jesus was born, some historians say that the Samaritans became a distinct ethnic group and a distinct religious community. The records of Sargon of Assyria, who's a Babylonian historian, says that there were 27,000 inhabitants of the former kingdom deported and they were Samaritans. Now, Jewish tradition affirms this deportation, but Jewish tradition says actually there's a different story about the origin of the Samaritans. Those people are called Kuthim, um, and they show up in the stories of Josephus, who's a famous uh, a Jewish uh, historian, and that the people of Israel were separated from the Assyrians, and that the Samaritans and the Jews had a different trajectory in this whole process. Now that's what they say. But what the Samaritans say, the Samaritans say they were always the Jewish people. They were always descending from Joseph. They were always in the same kingdom as the Jews. So who writes the history gets to tell the story. What I'm trying to say is nobody really quite knows who the Samaritans are. Not really. The Samaritans think that they belong in the kingdom of the Jews. The Jews don't think they do. And Jesus picks a Samaritan to illustrate what it means to love. So April reads us up into um, hear this and you will live, do this and you will live. But of course, the rich young ruler said, well, who's my neighbor? You know, who am I supposed to love? And as a young Christian person, I learned this story. And I think it's one of those stories that's like in the whole Corpus of America, everybody knows the story of the Good Samaritan, right? What happens? There's a sick man along the road, laying there along the road, bleeding to death. And a priest walks by and sees the sick man on the road, looks at the sick man on the road, leaves the sick man on the road. Because to touch that sick person was to become unclean. And the priest couldn't risk becoming unclean. The story goes that a Levite, 
was walking along the way. That would be somebody who was like a lay leader, let's say, in the church. The Levite walks along, sees the sick man, looks at the sick man, leaves him lying along the side of the road because he also couldn't risk touching the sick person and becoming unclean. This is Jesus's people, um, an Afro-Semitic people, a mixed race people, a Jewish people, a Jewish people living in a time of occupation, a marginalized people. So anything that one did to risk status or cleanliness just put you even more on the margins, right? So Jesus says, the Samaritan, a Samaritan walked by, saw the sick man, looked at the sick man. What did he do? Picked up the sick man, put him on his donkey or his horse or in his Tesla something, took him off to a hotel and in an infirmary, checked him in, paid the bill, made sure that he got well. The Samaritan did this. And when I was a little Christian young person learning this, I thought, oh, okay, the behavior. The behavior of the Samaritan is the story that Jesus is telling to make us understand love, right? Love that is willing to risk status. Love that is willing to risk being unclean. Love that is willing to go to the edges of what is culturally and socially acceptable and do the risky thing, the, the right thing, the slightly crazy thing. Some of you who know me have heard me tell the story of the Canadian woman who, when I had a car accident, treated me like with so much love, right? Took me from the hospital to the hotel, paid my bill, checked me in, gave me money, fed me. She acted like the Good Samaritan, and I'm like, I got this. The behavior that goes to the edge is what love looks like. But the more I think about this text, and the older I get, the more I concentrate on this text, I think, well, actually, there's more to it than the behavior of this person. The, the question is, why does Jesus, a Semite, you know, why does Jesus, a Jew, why does Jesus pick the Samaritan is the example of the good person. I think it's not the behavior only, but I think it's the identity of the one who did the doing. It's the identity of the one who did the doing. You heard all this history stuff I laid on you, probably more than you wanted to know. But these Samaritans were not, were not perceived by the Jews as Jewish people. The Samaritans were not seen by the Jews as their people at all. Not a shared culture, not a shared history, not a shared language, not a shared patriarch, not a shared understanding of what it means to be faithful. The Jews who were marginalized by the Romans marginalized the Samaritans in their own midst. In other words, this is the despised ones despising somebody else. I'm seeing some heads nod. Jesus, Yeshua, Joseph's boy, Mary's boy, Jewish boy, rabbi, picks an other, a hated, rejected other, to say, this is what love looks like. I'm fascinated now. The Jesus who is on the edge takes us further to the edge, almost off the page, 
to make a hero out of this one who nobody would have expected to show up in one of Jesus' stories, let alone show up in one of Jesus' synagogues, or let alone show up in the midst of Jewish culture because they didn't belong. Y'all with me? So now, at not so young, I'm thinking Jesus' teaching is more radical than I thought before. He isn't just inviting us to go to the edge and love, do the risky thing, the hard thing, you know, the sacrificial thing, the difficult thing. Actually, he's saying, everybody you thought was your neighbor, I'm pushing you outside your comfort zone. Your neighbor isn't just the people who belong to the house of Abraham. Your neighbor isn't just the ones who belong because they were part of Joseph's tribe or these two tribes. No, your neighbor is these mixed up weird ones. These strange ones, these other ones, these ones who are not ethnically pure, these ones who are not socially acceptable, these ones who are not like you at all. That's what love looks like. Huh. So I've been on the road. Uh, just did a trip to Dallas. It was my last speaking gig for a minute. I don't go in again until March. Thank you, Jesus. But I've been doing what I was feeling called to do, doing what the board is sending me to do, going out to take some radical, crazy love talk out in the world. And I've been playfully saying, and I don't want to insult you when I say it, but I've been playfully saying I've been on the nice white people tour. Um, <laughs> the nice white people asking Jackie to come about, talk about race tour. Hi, hello, Jackie, will you come talk to us about race? Yes, who are you nice white people? Oh, we're the Unitarian nice white people. Okay, I'll come and talk to you about race. Huh? Hello, Jackie, will you come talk to us about race? Yes, and who are you? We're the red letter Christians, the evangelical white people in Texas. Would you come talk to us about race? I'm happy to come and talk to you about race. I've been talking to yoga white people. I've been talking to saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost white people. I've been talking about race everywhere. And in Dallas, amen. Amen. And I, you know, and I'm, I'm asked to come because I'm the multiracial black girl. Come on, right? I'm, you know, I'm in the multiracial church and I'm in the multiracial marriage. And so that puts me on the border, right? And I'm happy. I mean, thrilled to be on the border. Feels like some kind of gift you have. This week when I was down in Texas, it was a multiracial group of people, Christian people, red letter Christian people, who believe that the words of Jesus, the red letter words in the King James Bible, that those are the ones that we really need to follow. And it was amazing. And I was thinking about this talk and I was ready to do the talk and I thought, all right, obviously they want me to talk about race. I got that. But I felt like God was pushing me to push and to not just talk about race, but to also talk about sexuality and gender performance And to also talk about faith. Now, when I got to the sexuality and gender performance, I was followed by this lovely young man named Austin who did a talk about trans. I was like, wow, Austin and Jackie, we got it. You know, pushing like all of the people belong to God, no matter who we love, no matter how we look, no matter how we identify. And I think they were coming with me. They were coming with me. But when I got to the faith thing, we, 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 we had to walk a little bit 
Yeah, little, little riskier walk. Because this is the red letter Christians. Not the red letter interfaith people. But the red letter Christians. And I'm saying, if we're called to love our neighbor, and if the Samaritan is the one that God lifts up, in the words of Jesus Christ as our neighbor, can we imagine that God is speaking more than one language? In other words, can we imagine that the neighbor we're also called to love is the neighbor who isn't Christian at all? And I got some head nods and I got some, you know, arms folded, you know, the body language was like, what? And I just was like, let's just push this now because the Samaritan is not a Jew, period. And the Jewish Jesus says, look at my dude right here. Let me let you see what I mean by love. So if that's true in that context, then I'm asking, then as a Christian pastor, I think I have to be preaching the gospel of God's love, which is more than Christian, which is beyond Christian, which is outside of the bounds of church and inside the bounds of love. And it makes eyebrows raise. But I think it's faithful to what the book is saying. I think we are to imagine that God has more than one vocabulary. Like my choreographers, some are Alvin Elias-esque and, you know, some are, I don't know, Martha Graham-esque and, you know what I'm saying, somebody's more tappish. What if God has more than one vocabulary? What if the God of Jesus Christ, who is also the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has a vocabulary for Christians to pull us close and a vocabulary for Muslims to pull them close and a vocabulary for Jews and Buddhists to pull them close because more than anything, what she wants is everybody close. What if that's true? What if that's true? What if it's true that loving our neighbor actually means honoring that God can speak to them too without us converting them? What if? What if she's so super califragilistic, amazing, that she don't need no missionaries unless it means love is love is love? And that God will use all the things, the teaching, the holding, the loving, the hospital building, the sharing of stories, the conversations, the breaking of bread. What if she can use all of that to touch her heart and pull them into the reign of God? Just like the conflict in the, in the Galatian community. Do you have to be circumcised first to become a Christian? The conflict is, do they have to go through our hoop? to get to God. Oh, I was on the dangerous territory right there. I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering if the Jewish one, lifting up the Samaritan one, wasn't also inviting us to break down some of the tribalism, some of the, some of the boundaries, some of the walls some of the things that will cause us to kill each other, to convert each other, the, the, the crusades to make Muslims into Christians, the pogroms, the Holocaust to turn Jews into nothingness, the snatching of bodies, the white supremacist entrenched crap 
of our nation that's wrapped up in Christianity. What if the Jewish rabbi, Jesus, who happens to be my Lord and Savior, also is just saying, enough, enough, enough of the walls. What about love? Can love transform us to a people who find a way to build bridges as opposed to codes of difference that make us die, actually, in the end? What if my business isn't how God talks to you, but how God talks to me? And how I can collaborate with you to make a whole and healed world? What if that's what it is? I know some of you are going to be like, then that's not a Christian church. Hmm? <laughs> or it's a Jesus church because Jesus wasn't a Christian anyway. I don't know. I'm asking you to t interrogate that with me. I'm asking you to be with me on, on it, on a journey. I don't have all the answers, but I know this. I know that we are in a hot, hot mess. And I know that tribalism is causing more heat. Like, uh, you are not my people. You do not pass my test. You do not have the eight things in common with me, therefore I can't work with you. I know that I'm going to get hate speech because of the picture of me and Linda Sorsor in the Washington Post. I know I'm going to get, how are you friends with Linda when she didn't renounce Farrakhan? Well, okay, I don't know if she renounced Farrakhan or not. I don't believe Mr. Farrakhan's anti-Semitism is, is, is my jam. I, I just think that's wrong, right? Like, I also think that Anti-Islamic sentiment is not my jam. That's wrong, right? It's funny, the, the Buddhists get, nobody trying to be anti-Buddhist, but we're like, we're so somewhere somebody's anti-Christian and wants to turn a plane into a bomb, and somewhere somebody's anti-Semitic and saw it on a website and wants to kill people in their sanctuary, in their safe synagogue, and somewhere somebody else is anti-Muslim and wants to burn a woman's hijab. Are you kidding me? No, enough of that, enough of that. So I'm not gonna renounce Linda Sarsour because she will walk from Staten Island to Washington DC to stand up for the black power of black lives. I'm not gonna do that. And I don't agree with everything she says, that we're friends, I don't, we're not married or like in lockstep, I don't know. But I know that I trust that she's going to show up and I'm going to show up when it comes for justice. I'm not going to renounce my friend Sharon Browse, who's a rabbi in LA, who's a Zionist. Hi, Sharon. I don't know. She, she's, she's deeply concerned about Israel having a homeland, but she also believes Palestine should have one too. And that's the place we can kick it, right? I'm not going to renounce my friend Valerie Kaur who's the most loving person on the planet who does not believe in God at all, who was tortured by Christians in her California town of Fresno because she was a sick, S-I-K-H, right? And didn't believe in God and wasn't gonna go to hell and was gonna burn in hell because she was a black dog, non-Christian. And she doesn't renounce me with my Christian self even though she's been badly wounded by Christians. Are y'all tracking? 
I'm asking you to come on a journey with me. I'm not saying renounce all your childhood faith. I'm saying, what if love is supposed to transform us to an identity that's above our faith? What if love is supposed to transform us to an identity called child of God, child of love? What if love, period, is the religion of the future? What if we're early adapters and we are finding our way into a funnel called love is love is love is love is love. And all the vocabularies that give us to love are good vocabularies. And the ones that don't, that. If a vocabulary gets you shooting people, if your pro-life posture makes you want to kill an abortion doctor, if your anti-Semitism gets you... No. 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 That's not what it's about. It's a hot mess time. And we need allies. We need a movement of love and justice that finds the Venn diagram where we can overlap and relate. That's what we need. That's what we need. Ain't nobody got time to figure out what the creed is that they said. And what the, come on. Come on, middle family. Now, I'm kind of preaching to the choir, although some of your eyebrows are raised, and I can see them. It's okay. I'm with you. I see your eyebrows raised, and I raise mine back. <laughs> so I'm preaching to the choir a little bit, but you're about to go home on Thanksgiving holiday, and you're about to hang out with people who don't understand what I'm talking about. And, and you might not even be 100% convinced, but I want you to be ready to say that, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, love God with all you have. Jesus used a non-Jew to make a Jewish point. A non-Jew to make a Jewish point that we've adopted as Christian. Love God, love neighbor, love self. Everything else is commentary. Everything else is commentary. Let's interrogate the life we live through the lens of love. That's what will transform us. That is what will heal our world. And I'm counting on us to do it. It's too stank. It's too ugly. It's too violent. It's horrifying. And we are not going to have it, are we? Not on our watch. Amen. Blessings to you, and you're going to join an invitation to join the movement about CBS. Yeah. Thank you. That is so scary what I just did. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, my love. That's the white, that's the nice white people sermon. <laughs> that's right there. That is so scary. I know it's edgy. I'm, I'm just telling you. And then I'm inviting you. I, I'm supposed to invite you now to join our movement. And I want to show you, I want to show you the Washington Post picks. Um, the hard copy is out today. 
Like, wow, that's, that's your church, folks. That's who we are. That's who we are. And everybody can't do that, but we can. <laughs> and we're called by God to do it, I think. So join us, right? Join us. If you've been thinking about joining us, join us. Um, if you've been dating and you want to join, see Bertram afterwards. We are really needing your financial support and your time and your energy to make this thing happen. Uh, some of you are going to be tapped to make an extra special uh, gift to help CBS happen, and some of you already have, and we love you for that. But this ministry costs $725,000 this year, and you're doing really great. But I'm just asking you to keep it up. It's really important, because uh, love is love is love. So please be generous. Thank you.
Middle family, will you help me dedicate these gifts? Let's pray. God of generosity, of giftedness, of infinite resources, mm. we turn these gifts back to you, trusting that they first came from your hand. And now we call out for two more things over them, God. We ask first for wisdom, that we might wisely discern how to use these gifts to address the hurts, the needs, the injustices of your world. And God, we ask for courage, that we might be brave enough to follow them with our time and our talent, indeed our very lives. We turn this all over in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. There must be a God Now, let's try this the right way. I'm going to stand in front so you can hear me, because we're in two different rhythms. <laughs> so would you sing with me? I'm not even worried about accompaniment. Can you just sing from your heart at this point? Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. There must be a John, thank you. Who was that? Who jumped on the piano? Thank you, Drew. Do it, man. Okay. So I was a little bit loud there. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really feeling that by the time Fee gets to be a teenager, like our wonderful teens who sang with us today, we don't know what the world's going to be like, but I know we're going to need each other more than ever. 
and we're going to need to find unlikely allies and friends and partners, and we're just going to need to make a movement in the spaces between what we're comfortable with and what we're not, period. If we really believe that love is a powerful force, if we really believe love transforms, I've got to figure out how to love Louis Farrakhan. Yes, I said it. Yeah. I've got to figure out how to love Mr. Trump. Oh. I don't have to like him. I have to figure out how to love him. And we've got to figure out how to love each other. Period. Love, period. Everything else is commentary, guys. So I love you so much. Beautiful holiday times for you. Peace to you. Healing and blessings to all the people you love. And this is my baby. <laughs> <laughs>